Well, welcome everybody to the first episode. Welcome, Dan. Hey, thanks. This is exciting. Awesome. So, Dan, do you want to give a little intro on who you are? Yeah, I'm Dan. I don't. I don't know how to. What What role do you work at Pierce? Yeah, uh, currently, I work uh, in our dealer development role, so I get to work with our 21 dealers across the U.S. and Canada. Okay. Um, and I get to you know work with them and make sure that that we're being the best manufacturer we can be to earn their business and. And that uh, since, you know, obviously we're a premier manufacturer, we want to make sure that we have premier dealers that are distributing and supporting those products in the field. So I get to spend a lot of time on the road and and uh, a lot of time with customers and in firehouses and things like that. And just uh, an exciting an exciting uh, role to be in. Absolutely. What about you? What do you do yeah, here, Allie? I so want to hear about you. My name is Allie Reitz and I work with our customers and our product specialists and just our team every day, whether it be out on the blue floor or out in manufacturing, um, supporting our social media efforts, anything that has to do with the website. I work with my team on that. Um, but a lot of it is really just talking to customers about their builds. What makes it unique? How's it going to benefit them? What is it that's going to make it specific and benefit each of their calls everything that's in their hire house like being consistent with that so yeah it's a lot of just one-on-one with customers dang yeah you practiced yeah so i get a <laughs> good cheated. insight i did make flashcards uh-huh. um yes yeah, so today's topic of the episode is we're going to be talking about the 2024 fire apparatus trends oh man so dan what are the um trends that you basically see throughout you mean like specific builds? Um, just trends in the industry from your role that you're seeing. Yeah, I think right now a lot of folks. You kind of mentioned a little bit in your introduction. There's a lot around fleet standardization mm-hmm. and making sure that people have a consistent fleet. And and again, like obviously behind us here, you see there's a whole bunch of different units that are are the same. Um, a multiple unit order behind us, but at the same time too those individual single orders where someone has to be able to maintain that unit for the life of its vehicle and how are they you know designing their apparatus in such a way that they're going to get you know 20 years of service out of it and be able to maintain it for that for that long um but certainly you're seeing that too from a manufacturability standpoint as is something i would say is probably more relevant to the customer than it ever has been before with the challenges around lead times and things of that nature they want to know that every component that they're that they're selecting to be on their apparatus is going to withstand the test of time. They're going to be able to find that component if if it should ever break. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are. And, and the other part is they want to make sure that um, those complexities and things like that don't get in the way of providing a a great great experience for that next generation of firefighter that maybe that may be riding the rig that they're designing today. Um, yeah. How about you? What do you, what yeah. do you, you're out there on the blue floor every day. What, yeah. are, what are you seeing with everybody? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is what you're saying. I mean, they're very versatile apparatus in, in the sense of everything down to the drawers in the compartment or the slide out tray is specifically sometimes fit to the tool that they're going to put in that drawer. So, yeah. I mean, everything is so just well thought out from the moment they place their order to the moment they pick it up and they make those final tweaks everything is thought out so i think that's one of the biggest trends that i'm seeing is thinking everything down to the smallest corner of the truck yeah through yeah and i think some of those things too to your point on like compartment space and and different decisions people make around there they're certainly around (laughs) they're certainly around around uh again as they get into like you know 
compartmentation and they want to make sure every inch of that truck matters. The other one too is you're continuing to see the trend of the shorter wheelbases and making sure that they can get into tighter spaces and things of that nature. And I think those trends are just going to continue seeing over and over and over again throughout the industry of how do you make more and make your get the most out of your apparatus. So on one end, you're seeing this thing where people are standardizing their fleet, but on the other end, there's almost additional complexity added and, and customization added based on um, getting more out of each one of those apparatus. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that's, I call it a 2024 trend. I think that's just, that's kind of a forever trend in, in my eyes. Okay. So the next topic um, that I did want to bring up is safety is a huge thing that not like you said earlier is just not specific to 2024, but people are looking for any which way that they can improve the safety of their apparatus. So what I'm seeing is like they're making the ideas come into life when they build their, you know, pierce or any fire apparatus. They're they're looking to improve safety, whether it be with the side roll and safety protection. So we're looking to integrate the effective passive and active safety systems and providing more education to firefighters on those systems. So those um, who don't know the difference between the passive and active safety systems is that the passive is going to be like your seatbelts and the frontal and side roll airbags, and they're always present, and then they react in a collision where the seatbelt would tighten. But the active is like your tire pressure monitors, your anti-locking braking, or your auto traction. And that's going to be active pre-collision and then always be collecting that real-time data. I feel like this is a good time to to just link to a blog. Something tells me there's a blog out there about passive and active safety. Yes, there is. There is there a blog out there about yes, passive and active safety? Yes, there is. Oh, for sure there yes, is. Yes, there is. And that'll scroll across the bottom of your screen right now. You can just the show notes. zip right over to. Yes. That's good. Yes. So shout out to our blog. Go check it out. Um, another thing I did want to talk about too in terms of safety is a clean cap concept. Mm-hmm. And there is no like standard clean cap concept. It's different for each department. It's different for each region. And just wherever you are, it's going to look different. Yeah. Um, and what that's going to do is reduce, reduce the firefighter exposure to bad carcinogens and toxins. And it's going to remove the contaminants from the cab, leaving a clean space for firefighters to ride from the firehouse to their fryer scene. Sure. Um, And that can look different in terms of having leather seats, having diamond plate flooring, keeping gear out of the cab, just different ways um, that you could see. Yeah, I think what's neat about about the care initiatives, and I know... You know, initially when that came out, there was so much pressure as those studies came out on you need to have the cleanest cab as a as a manufacturer or you need to have storage for, you know, one of the big controversial topics at that time was SCBAs outside of the cab. And and where do you where do you do that? And I think what's been the approach is not different than how Pierce has really approached customization in general. And it's really up to that customer and it's having that informed choice. And I mean, you can be anywhere on that pendulum of are you someone that wants to in your department someone who wants to take the scbas out of your cab and we want to go and and go to that level and figure out uh storage options and things of that nature and how can you still effectively go to your job versus someone also may say hey you know what we're going to make sure that we have a really cleanable surfaces and we're going to make some decisions around that on what's the easiest to maintain from that standpoint whether it's vinyl seats or, or things like that and i think it's just neat to see the market, like the fire apparatus market and the fire industry in general, that's typically very resistant to change, 
how it slowly evolves and ultimately finds what's best for their department and and makes those decisions because you think of firefighters in general they're they're what's so fun to serve them is they're just very willing to take on substantial risk i mean they will take put literally put their life in on the line to protect others and and it's just neat then when they have to take that same mindset on how do you do that though so you're protecting your fellow firefighters so they can have a long and healthy retirement and beyond their time uh, at the fire at the at the service but also what is the risk that that you're doing and I don't envy them like being in that position you know I don't we talk about safety here as a manufacturer and different things that we have to do to to safely put our apparatus together but you think of like that weight that's on you as a fire chief or as on a committee and all of those decisions that you have to make where again you're not only worried about getting to and from the the uh, emergency safely you're thinking about how do I make sure that my firefighters don't get hurt from an ergonomic standpoint or how do I prevent them from tripping on different things? They have safe surfaces to walk or climb on this apparatus or hose beds that are at a spot that they're not going to hurt their back mm-hmm. all the way to, I also don't, I have to protect them against the future and the exposure to carcinogens that, that could impact them uh, later on in their life and their families later in life. So bringing those carcinogens home to their, to their kids and their family members. It's hard. Like it's a tough job and it's, it's, again, it's a position I just, I don't, envy our customers being in but it's our job to to meet them there and figure out how do we how do we meet them and and provide those different options so when they do get to that point that they have a smorgasbord of of ways that they can address it and that we can help them serve their mission i think you put that phenomenally it is a huge role that they take on and Mm -hmm. all we can do is support them the best that we can and yeah. I think it's a great transition also into a hot topic in the industry the topic of electrification um, so yeah, I All know right. in the past few years, we've seen cities commit to emission, reduced emission vehicles and just make that transition in terms of safety, whether it be, you know, pushing for the clean, you know, firehouses and pushing for the extended operations. And, um, I've just, I've heard we've seen this broad interest throughout the entire continent like for our Pierce Volterra pumper and it's something that it's it's a whole new thing and once it's proven in service and we see the results I think it's just going to grow even more and more and more once the firemen are able to see how it operates and can transition seamlessly from that battery to the diesel engine yeah yeah that was a kind of an aha moment for me we were this summer when we had uh, different customers in that were looking at it mm-hmm. and watching that vehicle operate and looking at the uh, the faces of those firefighters and those the committee members because the other part it's totally different audience now when you get into this electrification and um watching it when that water stream didn't break when it switched between the combustion engine and the the diesel backup it was insane to me and it just it gives you this level of comfort knowing that there is redundancy built into that and that that if that you know you you think of all these different things with battery technology although it's certainly advanced is still new you don't want your firefighter at the end of a line in a building with something that you know or that you have any kind of fear that that when they need that water that that water won't get to them right and i mean you look at a couple days ago or last week one of our current customers that has it in their fleet 
has mm-hmm. a Volterra pumper. It went to a four alarm fire. Yeah. And they didn't even know that the truck had seamlessly transitioned. There was no change in the pressure. Nothing happened differently. Yeah. And they were like, oh, we're we're running on our engine now. Yeah. And then the truck was able to drive them yeah. home after the fire on EV back on its way. So it's just, I think it's important to make that change yeah. where it's not even going to change their habits and their routines and their responses. Yeah. It's only going to improve them. Yeah. And I think as we get into this electrification, what I just have a lot of, you know, I work here, so I have a lot of admiration for our engineers and, and everybody here and obviously have some some bias associated with that. But uh, I just really enjoy being the, the approach that has, has all the way through Oshkosh of be the responsible one in the electric space and really don't this isn't a race against uh, against anybody. It's it's about how do you provide the most responsible solution in that space. And I think it's been I think it's been well received by our customers on that approach. And and when we're going in and and making those decisions, and a lot of it's 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 unique. It's it's NPD in plain sight. Um, with when we have units that are in service, and you're getting real data from fire departments that are utilizing these. And helping us with this, um, it just—I think it's really—it's the right way to go about it, in, in in my humble opinion. But the other one, there's there, there's a lot of similarities between what we talked about with, and, and so you did you nailed the transition between the um, the carcinogen awareness and electrification in terms of the approach to meeting the customer where they are on that on that journey. I know the approach has been. We don't want the, the customer to have to think about it. We don't want the customer to have to retrain how to fight fire because their apparatus changed. We want to meet them where they are and so that they can still go about their work in the way that they have been and serving their communities and put them in the position to be the professionals that they are and that they have the tools that they need uh, to do that. But it doesn't necessarily mean going and, and buying the next Volterra and and that you have to do that from an emission standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, the the IRT or the uh, emission reduction technology, we've seen a lot of really good um, case studies around that. And and we've had different customers that speak really highly of, of, of what that's done for their fleet and really gives them the opportunities um, uh, to do that. But it, some of it too has to do with what's the the long-term objective for each of those departments. You know, we're learning a lot about infrastructure and those, those pushes and pulls in their world there. Um, and, and it's just been, it's just been really neat to see as people are, are learning about, about this, this technology and, and they'll overcome it. But you think of, again, the, you don't envy the position of, of, of our customer where you have some of these historical stations that boy, I, I mean, I think of when they design their entire apparatus to fit inside of that station and they have to go with a different aerial selection simply to get it inside. And now they have to figure out a way to charge a vehicle inside that station that you couldn't move a brick on that station to increase the size of the bay doors. And now we're going to start talking about, you know, electrification. Um, but the resilience of the fire industry is those different things change and different standards change around, around emissions. Um, again, it's just been really fun to see. And then it's just really interesting, you know, whether you're at dinner with a customer, you see them on the blue floor, they just, everyone's at a different spot on this. And there, uh, to me, there's, there's no silver bullet solution to the entire thing. Uh, but I think if we keep going about it in a way that we're going to innovate the, in the best interest of the customer and not a huge secret to how we do it, it's because they, they tell us what the best way is to serve them. 
yeah um has been has just been a, a, a fun a fun project to, to get to do have you ever heard the story of I, I was talking to um uh his name's pete matthews he's a an editor for firehouse magazine but he came in like when they launched the first madison unit and they they unveiled that and he snuck in early i shouldn't say snuck in but he went to madison early because he had an inkling like hey, they're going to launch, you know, an electric truck. And he went all around Madison looking for this thing, thinking like, hey, I'm going to find out where this electric truck is. And he's expecting to see this big green, you know, totally different looking uh, apparatus. And they go up and, and, you know, the governor's there and the mayor's there and the fire chief's there and some, some representatives from Pierce are there. And they're up on this podium talking and the backdrop behind him is this enforcer pumper. And eventually they get to the point of the presentation and they say, you know, this electric truck behind me and his jaw dropped that this entire time, this truck was right behind him. And even before it launched, it was in service for three weeks, you know, going around, around Madison without people even knowing that this is an electric vehicle. And to me, I think that says a lot about Pierce. It says a lot about the approach to that because it's not about us and it's not about, about how showy this is or how it's about what the firefighters need and and ultimately it's about them and that's that's why we come to work and that's why there's all all 2000 plus of us come to work every day is is not about us that was a great story i'm really happy you shared that because i hadn't heard that Uh, at all that's awesome i I should have put it on a cue card you should have i mean (laughs) no no okay the next thing is a little different I actually have a question for you for the next topic. I feel like you've been asking me questions this whole time. Okay. What is your favorite fire truck color? 90 red. I knew you were going to yeah, say that. Yeah. Big fundamental. Yes. Um, I Some of them stand out though. Like I really liked uh, Chapel Hill when they did. I do love it when they, they match into their communities. And that's something that just stands up to me. Like I, I think of going to Fort Worth and they had one that was custom for the the one that was at TCU. And so they did that one with the purple and white um, to match that. And it just, again, it, that, that service of our customer to their community that they literally put it on the truck so that it fits in with who they serve and where they serve. I think of Tampa, how they match theirs um, and their color scheme and things mm-hmm. like that to their local football team or you have jack daniels when they did theirs and it matched that uh, i'm trying to think of other ones that oh all timer was sleepy hollow new york they did that one and they had uh, mike grabner and, and graphics did the custom headless horseman on the side of it and i don't know who pulled what string but it delivered in october here so it's this orange truck looked like a pumpkin got the headless horseman on the side i mean it's perfect. It's, it's like a it's children's perfect. book. I know. I've definitely been seeing a lot more on the blue floor of people matching their high schools or their local college or yeah. even one of the apparatus I saw someone, they were like, when we get it home, one of our high school students is designing a graphic and they're going to they're gonna put it on the side of our truck and it's going to literally have our local school pride, whether yeah. it's through the graphic or through, I know Hattiesburg came through recently with their purple truck. Yeah, home, mean, of, home of Brett Favre, the Mississippi Missile Slinger. Yes, so that or shout should, out. Brett Favre's college, I should say. Yes. I think a lot of departments are taking on that initiative and showing their school yeah. and community pride through their trucks. Yeah, it's neat. And then a lot of those ones, too, it's representing who's physically funding the apparatus, too, which is neat. You know, it's the, those different tax bases that are doing that or yeah. if they're privately funded, like the Jack Daniels, you know, situation. I think it's only fitting that it matches that. 
I I have a question for you. Didn't write it down, but I have a question for you too. What do you think of blackout on trucks? I love blackout. We I are think on it opposite ends so of this good. spectrum. Yeah. No, I think it looks so good. Yeah. And especially, you know, my dad's a volunteer firefighter and sure. they a couple years ago they were actually on the calendar with pack a fire department and they have blackout and instead of the chrome, he said it's so grippy when they step on it. Oh sure. So it's when it gets all wet and stuff, it's not as slippery as the metal. So sure. I think that's another good reason for it too. Yeah, see, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. Like I don't I'm not a, I I think blackout looks awesome. But there's something about like, and maybe it's just seeing around here, you have all this stuff, you have all this chrome that, you know, you go and it's all shiny and you put all these lights on so things are more visible. And then you paint every shiny surface black. Like, what are you doing? Okay, I could see that. And like somebody at a dinner told me that once and I like couldn't unhear it. Uh. And I'm looking at it and you see how hard people work here to like polish diamond plate and do this kind of thing. And then you see it just covered in Linex. I'm like, get out of here. But uh, <laughs> I will say, like, they just look. I mean, they should have their own entrance music when they roll in with the, the blackout package. Oh, do you? I can't. I can't on company phones. So, <laughs> so here we are. Yeah, Check out our yeah. I'm way too crew cut. I'm, yeah. I'm chrome. You know, I'm the chrome and, and white over red. Mm-hmm. So I'm not the blackout package TikToker. Okay. I, don't, I don't know. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um. Next one I want to talk about is our ordering process. On your end, what do you see that's going to be um, evolving or changing or staying the same this sure. year with the ordering process? Are you talking like about like due to like current dynamics around lead times? Um, Whatever you want to take with it. I mean, I really see the end of it all. I mean, I'm on the fun and yeah. glamorous side. Trucks are heading to the customers. They're built. You know, we're yeah. here to have fun and check it out. Yeah. But on your end, I, I'm assuming you see a little bit more at the beginning of the process. Yeah. So, I mean, I, really our dealers see the ultimate beginning. I mean, they're there one that that's an idea yeah. for the for the customer and, and, you know, the bidding process and going through and, and having to, to, you know, selling is a verb. So, so going and demonstrating the the features and added benefits of the apparatus and their dealership and the service they provide and, and that part of it. But certainly when it gets to that point now of of procurement for fire departments right now is more difficult than ever. And a lot of that has to do with industry lead times and where that is. And people are having to make decisions so far in advance um, based on that and figuring out different ways that they can do that um, you know, pricing is ultimately based on those components at the time of manufacturing, which could be years or will be years after the time that the customer orders it. So they're also in that, you know, they're kind of behind on that dynamic. I think this is an industry-wide problem too. I don't think oh, that's no even question. just with us. No. I think that's across yeah. all variations. Yeah. And that's the, with the long lead time product in general, it, it's that part of a challenge, but then you have an industry that just so much demand um stacked up and with the supply not not increasing fast enough to keep up with it Mm -hmm. that's that's ultimately what what built the industry's backlog to what it is now yeah but um it has changed the way a lot of customers look at that from from procurement um where they're they're forecasting differently on the way that they do that uh you know we talked about fleet standardization that's that maybe that specific unit, but also then, hey, what does that change with their capital replacement program looks like? You know, if it was something that they had to start that process earlier, mm-hmm. um, 
because they have to to make those decisions on when they need that truck in service. A lot of people have toggled to do that. Uh, there's other programs too that that we offer at Pierce that have been helpful. Um, it, it's still not traditional lead times or traditional. Um, like the stock program is certainly one of those ones. It's very competitive now to to even get your hands on a stock unit. Um, but we still are very proud of the the stock uh, mix that we put out, so that if people are in those situations that they need an apparatus fast because mm-hmm. of uh, you know a truck down situation or an unfortunate incident where they they need to replace something really quickly. Um, and the Build My Pierce program too, I've heard is very helpful for yeah, customers. Yeah, that Build My Pierce program. I, I truly, it, it almost couldn't have been at a better time uh, for our customers to have that in place. And and again, when we talked about the manufacturability, it used to be that you never had that discussion, you know, with the, the end user. Our job is to work behind scenes so that when they show up on the blue floor, they don't have to worry about what we did to make that truck and, and what hoops we had to jump through or how hard it was to procure that part. It's that we gave them what we delivered. And and frankly, they want to see us sweat. They, they they paid for that. They paid for us to work really hard to deliver for them. And and uh, now they there seems to be almost more of a partnership with the customer and the dealer up front to have those discussions around informed choice and saying, hey, if you can get your truck sooner because you work on this option, is that or, or go with this option? Is that something you're interested in? And the other part is, I mean, I know our lane strategy. Um, also was just a huge piece of that where different trucks go down different lanes based on option content and how that fits together and and how difficult or frequent those parts are procured um and it's just it's it couldn't have come at a better time right uh, and i think that's something that we've been looking as a company internally like how can we speed up these processes what's what are the um, pinch points so whether it be, I know in Ariel, they started bringing their equipment and their tools right to the station because it used to take a couple hours yeah. or an hour to go and gather everything you need for the build. And I think that's going to benefit that process. Yeah. Too. And I mean, certainly like the investments on our end, again, like the customer, they, they, they've done a ton to figure out different ways and their procurement process is, is completely changed on our end. You know, the, the additional square footage, the continuous hiring. Um, the looking at other locations to build various components and all those kinds of things is is certainly a, a big piece of that. But to your point too, I mean, anything that we're doing to become more efficient, it's just really neat to see the quality teams in that. And and by quality, I mean like teams that are quality. I mean the the ones that are the quality department. And there, you get to see really what integrity looks like when you see different people who say we will not speed up if it costs quality. Yes. And we will not make decisions that does not put a quality product on our blue and gray floors. And and I think that's so important because the reality of it is that's such a short-term benefit to getting a truck to a blue floor with low quality or to the, to the gray floor in Bradenton, Florida with low quality because ultimately it actually slows everything down. And it doesn't, it doesn't improve anything for the customer. It doesn't improve anything for Pierce. It certainly doesn't improve anything for the dealer. Um, and I think just people having that commitment, but when you, on the manufacturing side, when you make a deal and you look a customer in the eye and tell them, thank you for their order, and you don't get to build that unit for them for three plus years, that it honestly makes the blue floor a little sweeter too. Mm-hmm. When you get to do that and, and you get to stand behind what you said, even with that longer timeline and face those kinds of challenges and still deliver that product, 
but it also it speaks a lot to the people that work here that customers are willing to wait longer and pay future pricing on, on that and so they're paying more and waiting longer to get trucks built by Pierce and I think it, in the right mindset that should make people very proud here that people have that much confidence to get in that line because of who's building it and and the dealers that are that are serving them and to me it's it it just is not more than ever of a compliment to Pierce when you get an order from a customer. Absolutely. So in closing, I want everybody to make sure and go follow us on all of our social medias and subscribe to this. Every two weeks, we'll be dropping an episode, but stay tuned. We will be bringing in our customers and just speaking to people with their boots on the ground, getting their insights about what it's like to actually work in the industry, be on these apparatus. So Yeah, we got to bring some like engineers in here too engineers we'll talk to some people that work at pierce we'll talk to just i feel like i'm gonna learn a bunch on this thing that's what i'm looking i'm gonna be grilling people when they come in here i'm gonna know everything yeah oh well yeah you just wait close yeah don't quiz me on it (laughs) yes so thank you for tuning in we appreciate it have a good one be safe 